It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply. On 1116 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range. Loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New grilled wraps at Subway. Hot off the grill and ready to thrill at participating restaurants. McGovern dropped the mark. Dalhouse path. Head pass to Atkins. Goal is there for the taking. And he took it. Schofield out-muscled Hawkins. That time Kelly found a way through. Glides, improves the angle and finishes off a magnificent piece of play. Gives it to Stanley. Roosts it to the top of the square. Radagalia! Kicking for his second and a 25-point lead. He's got it. What's Hawkins doing back there? He's stripped of the ball. It comes to Marston who kicks a goal. Oh, this game has well and truly turned back towards the Eagles. Kennedy, good trap. Flick the hand pass. It ends with Gaff. The goal is there and it's taken. Oh, I've just seen Tom Hawkins, boys, and he ain't playing again. He ain't playing again this year. Oh, Kicked it across the front of goal. Oh, Buse, what's he doing? An intruder in the house. An intruder in the big. Big MCG house, and it's the son of the rats. They get it out of the phone box, one-on-one, Hawkins, you'd like him. A show of strength. He's kicking for his fourth, and he's nailed it. A great kick. Menegola's going to loop around and pump it in. He sets it up. Who's the flyer? It was Taylor. Dalhouse Crummer rolls it through. The Cats stretch the Eagles to breaking points. And the Cats have steeled themselves for a stirring victory. And in the process, they have finished the Premiership defence of West Coast. It's Geelong by 20. We had a swing, but I think Geelong just wanted it more in the last quarter. Our players, um, from where we were 12 months ago, have come a long way. And we're far from a perfect team. But when we play our way... We're a good chance, so that's the most probably the most pleasing thing. One, the outcome, which is obvious, and we get a chance next week. But two, we played a little bit more consistently the way we would like to play. Geelong books its place in another preliminary final, seen off West Coast on a night of blood and guts football. But will Tom Hawkins be there when the Cats meet the Tigers? It's all up for debates. Following an out-of-competition doping control test on 20 August this year, it is asserted that Rioli's A sample returned an adverse analytical finding for urine substitution, which is a prohibited method under the code. It's something that, other than urine that uh, has been produced. He's a little bit of a mess, to be honest, uh, emotionally. I recognise that with others, I believe I'm part of the problem quite clearly. The real question that I've, I've grappled with in the last probably couple of weeks since the season finished is, um, am I also part of the solution? And I guess my feeling and, and the conversations I've had and in my personal self-reflections, um, I've reached the decision that I believe it's best to hand over to a fresh face with a new voice to move the club forward. 
A fifth coach falls as Don Pike departs with a message for the football world. The reckoning in Adelaide headlines an extraordinary week of off-field events, which you'll touch on in the crunch. This is the semi-final edition of Crunch Time for Honda. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range, loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50 and the new grilled wraps at Subway. Hot off the grill and ready to thrill at participating restaurants. Geelong and Richmond in the preliminary final. Collingwood awaits the winner of tonight with the Lions hosting the Giants. It's an hour edition of Crunch Time before the special simulcast. SEN and Triple M come together to honour Danny Frawley with a tribute edition of The Rub. Jared Whaley with you. David King is with me. Hello, Kingy. Morning, G. Morning, Cornsy. Morning, everyone. It's a fantastic performance, wasn't it, Jared? I know you're very chuffed about the uh, the Catters and the way they started in particular. They hadn't done that before. Hadn't done that for a, for quite a few years. So the build-up was enormous. The tension, you could, you could sort of see it. You could feel it at the MCG before that game started. The coach... Got them revved up and away they went. It was was an awesome performance. Kane Corns, hello. Yeah, it was a great performance. Just watching the, the replay of his address, uh, Chris Scott, before the game, just as the players were about to break to go to their positions, he was animated, as animated as you're going to see him. I know he's an animated coach, but there was a message that he delivered that seemed to cut through and it was cutting. And that performance in the first quarter from Geelong yesterday was what we've missed in their, in their finals in recent times. And... Just watching Chris Scott as the cameras panned to him in the box, he was as animated and as up and as aggressive as we've seen this year and the players responded and it was it was an inspired performance. And suddenly the Eagles' title defence is over. It's abrupt when it ends. Yep. Yeah. And a really horrible end, let's be honest. I mean, they've had a shocking 48, 72 hours. Um, you know, the trauma of the Willie Rioli decision really poor decision, what that's done to the football club, to the playing group. We'll never know. We'll never know. And you can make your own minds up there. But, gee, they missed him on field. Just that little bit of class in the forward half, particularly the you know, the first 40 minutes, they had their opportunities coming inside 50. He's the best kick in the AFL at kicking the ball inside 50 and having it marked. 53% of the time his kicks are marked. That, that's not just number one in the competition, but number one by some margin. So that, that sort of loss is hard to qualify and quantify post-match, clearly. And the emotional side of it is a, is a secondary issue, but, gee, they missed him. It's amazing it. when a side lose like that. All of a sudden, their bottom six or seven players look a little bit out of their depth. It's, it's the case with with most teams. You know, When they win, they play their role, and you don't speak about them a lot. But when you lose like that, and you, you go through some of the names in their bottom six or seven players that just couldn't contribute last night, and, and at times looked... All at sea, the likes of Barras. I mean, his performance probably, to be fair, for the last five or six weeks. But Hutchins looked uh, he looked off the pace. Schofield, you know, Nelson and Hickey and Petrotelli came out and couldn't impact. So it's amazing just all of a sudden you question their depth when we shouldn't. But it, when you lose, it, it seems to be highlighted. Do, do you think, and this is a, a good discussion, the Barras concern was, was an obvious one for three or four weeks for Adam Simpson. It was all the talk in Western Australia. He's... Clearly lost form and then lost confidence. Every intercept mark was a, a double a double take. Nothing was clean. Nothing was instinctive anymore. It, it was a real a labour. Every decision was oh, mm. it was made on, on a you know. On, he almost had to have a referendum in his own head before he would go for the ball. 
Do you think that impacted those around him? Because I've never seen Jeremy McGovern so fumbly in th the first 30 minutes of football. I mean, he dropped a couple of marks that were calamitous and they cost a couple of goals. And that, that was... It was the perfect start for Geelong. They put the ball in the pressure zones and all that sort of thing. So I'm not detracting from what Geelong did. We'll get to them in a moment. But I don't think I've seen the West Coast back six as fumbly as they were in that 30, first 30 minutes. Well, thank goodness for Shannon Hearn. Because if he, he, he playing that first half, <laughs> they're probably six or seven goals down. But you're right. I, they, they did look all at sea. And I haven't seen McGovern be beaten in one-on-one -on -one contests like that. I mean, Hawkins was terrific. I know we're going to get to him and, and his predicament that he's in at the moment. But, yeah, they did. And credit to them because they came back and you thought, well, three-quarter time, I, I probably had... Had if I was betting, had my money on on West Coast that they would run away with it. But uh, yeah, some just some great performances from some leaders that uh, certainly I questioned last week. In particular, Joel Selden, his performance last night and Dangerfield's last quarter. I mean, it wasn't his biggest game, Patrick Dangerfield, but he wants to win. And when the game was on the line in the last quarter, he was he was just brilliant. So Selwood, this is going to be a big part of his legacy last night. The graphic shots, as yeah. you know, as Geelong's captain blood, as I suspect, those become the quintessential shots on the day that he calls it. Um, and it'll focus back on a day. He wouldn't get stitched up. They kept having to bandage him up to try to stem the bleeding. He had, you know, blood-stained <laughs> face while going. Like, that. that's Joel Selwood it in is. a nutshell. Yeah, I, I, said, I said it last week, even even when we, we and I sort of said he's not having the impact that he needs to. He's the player I've admired most in my generation. I mean, the way that he's gone about it, the battering that he's taken every week. But last night, he was impactful. You know, his touches were damaging. It wasn't, wasn't his biggest numbers, but... Most of them were, were, were damaging. He felt like he was playing a bit more midfield minutes. Kingy, you'd be able to speak to that. But play to his strengths, which is what he did last night in a big game. He stood up and that's why he is um, straight into the Hall of Fame and, and maybe even, I don't know how long he goes, mate, he could be a legend. He could, could he, Jared? I don't know, you, you'd speak on that. But uh, he, the impact that he's had on that club, 29 finals or whatever it is now, was, was amazing. Well, we, we can't shy away from the fact that last Saturday we sat here and put it on the coach and, and put it on some of their leaders. Yep. Sel was, was one of those, yep. Kane, that you mentioned last week. Ablett was was touched on, you know, the, where to with the ruck situation, where to with Mark Blitzovs, who started on the wing last night. I don't know and where he's going to... didn't play in defence at all I know. for the night. Amazing. And I just I was fixated by by that, by that move. And, you know, and you hear Chris Scott in the in the post-match. They've handled this week perfectly, Jared. The pressure was on. And credit to Chris. He says, you know what... We're not immune from feedback. We're not immune from criticism. If you think we've made a mistake, it's, that's your role to, to, to wheel it out. Now, we choose whether we listen to it or not, but what it did do, it gave them a sense of us against the world. Mm -hmm. And you could, you could sort of sense in every conversation in the post-match, it was, you know what, they come for our club. They come for us today or this week. They've come for our coach. We love our coach. They've come for our captain. We love our captain. It's talking about Gary Ablett it, it making a decision for our, the, you know, the game's best player for the last decade. Other people are making a decision about it when he finishes. No, 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 not on our, not on our terms, not on our watch. And, and I think it, I think they handled it so well that that seeing the start to that game and the coach getting them in the group and just just going bang between the eyes, the emotion turned into a performance, and that, that's a hard thing to to mm. to actually. Ensure it happens, Kane. Often you can you can have the reverse happen quite easily, but they galvanised. It was absolutely sensational. Yeah, and it's a, it's a dangerous position for a club to be in when they're challenged for the opposition because uh, I know 
uh, Leon Cameron used some motivation b- about what was said about his side in the lead up to that final last week. They use that and they go out and it's that us against them. And, and that was exactly what Geelong did last night. And right from the moment I thought he faced the media, probably Chris Scott last week, he said, I got it wrong. They put up Dangerfield on the Monday. He said, look, you know, it's on us. It's not on the coach. And, and as you said, Kingy, I thought you summed up brilliantly the way they handled the week. So does it reframe the tactical debate which you staged last week? Is he didn't roll out a system last night. He very specifically chose Blitzabs on a wing um, for the game, as we haven't yeah. seen that probably since a Hawthorne final. Yeah, he's played one minute of wing all year. Yeah. Um, they made McGovern strictly accountable in a way that no team has been able to virtually all year. So the tactics of the week before, which he was hung on because they didn't work, to the tactics of this week, he gave his team... Um, Simon Lloyd said to us, he used a word in the pre-match last night, it was it was something like absolute clarity. So they, they implemented a plan, they yep. all bought into the plan and they executed a plan. The week before, they implemented a plan that they thought gave them their best chance to beat Collingwood and they didn't win. Yep. Does it reframe... He's a highly intellectual coach yep. and, and you do get hung on the wins and losses. Do, does it... Does it reframe your conversation at all? No, can I just... Because we've been misquoted heavily since last Saturday. You know, what we said about Chris was about one given game, right? It was about, does he need to do this? Does he need to be the reason they win? Does he need to change this? Does he need to have so much drastic change from round 23 to the first final? Now, I'm happy to sit down with Chris and discuss that. Not that he wants to talk to me about it, but... But you know, Caroline Wilson says that Chris got... I said that Chris put himself above the team. Now, I never said that. And they're, they're dirty words. That, that's not how I want Chris to think that I'm talking about him, OK? We're talking about the game in isolation tactically. Now, you look at what he's done this week, and he just does different things. He does do different things. I still think he tries to win the game from the coach. Now, that's his. That's part of his job. There's no doubt about that. Like, Blitzarv's on a wing. I mean, I could. you could have given mm. me... Five different positions he would have played, and Wing wouldn't have been one of them. I wouldn't yeah. have, couldn't have guessed that. The interesting part of it, I think, is self-preservation goes, just put Blitzavs back to fullback. That's where everyone expects him to play. And he goes, no, we need to win this game. This yeah. is the best way to win this game. And he sells, he, he lays out the plan, and and yeah. they, they totally buy into it. But, but it is, all of our comments are based around results. I mean, it'd be silly to sit here and say, oh, no, it wouldn't have mattered if they lost last night, Jared. If they played the exact same way they played last night and when the West Coast got eight points in front or seven points in front and went on with it and won the game, would we be sitting here saying, you know what, tactically it was very good last night? We wouldn't be. Mm. So the result the result is not just part of the problem. It's where the, it's, sorry, the part of the conversation. It's where the conversation starts. Mm. How did they go? They won or lost. Why? What are the reasons why? And then we dig a bit deeper. And, and sometimes they're more obvious. I agree with everything they say, Kane, about... We have more information than you guys. Well, clearly they have more information than us, Jared. But all of a sudden just can't say, oh, we don't know why they won or we have no opinion on why they lost. I mean, we've got, we've, there's there's discussion points. in this. Tactically last night, for McGovern to only take one intercept mm. mark is probably the biggest victory that, that Chris would have had yes, last night. For two years, teams have been trying to figure this out and last night Geelong did it. They, they had nine intercept marks in the first 15 minutes last week against Essendon, the West Coast. So that was their biggest challenge. And they made him play on someone, which, which was brilliant. You're right. Of course, we, we, we analysed the result first and then comment on why it was won and lost. And when it's so obvious, 
the whole footy world was shocked that they didn't play Ruckman last week and move their potential Australian defender into the Ruck. Of course, that is going to be talked, spoken about, and he admitted after that. So, now credit where credit is due, and we'll, we'll give them that. But uh, it was a sensational performance. But more, it was a finals performance. And, and I think you you look at it and you think, well, West Coast. I mean, we can. This is as simple as it gets. West Coast lay forty tackles last night in a final. They just weren't up for it like Geelong were. They were hungry. They pressured. They turned the footy over. Uh, and they wanted it more. And then there's the question of Tom Hawkins. So he's hit um, Schofield with a swinging fist to the face. Is It's hard to imagine this comes back any other way than intentional. It's a long way off the ball, and I think that takes careless out of play. One week. It's to Jared. the head, yep. and it's low impact because Schofield got up. If he leaves the field, it's medium. That's just in the way that Michael Christian is adjudicated. He, he's going to get a week unless something completely unforeseen takes place. So let's say that's a given one week. I agree with you. You've looked at it. Geelong will challenge it. What will their defence be? How can they argue this? Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't like to be, you know, I'm a nerd for these things. I wouldn't like to be <laughs> trying to cast an argument <laughs> on that. That'd be so hard in yourself, can you, can they, can, <laughs> wouldn't call you a nerd at all. Can they, um, what, how can they beat, and we're, we're, we're jumping it ahead a little bit, but how can they beat Richmond without Hawkins? Oh, gee, we haven't really got to the no. end. I mean, Richmond to be sitting back last... I mean, what's the perfect could, result? Could we just... Le- we might leave that as an open question because yeah. we'll get lost. Um, for Hawkins, he has these undisciplined moments. This is not the first time. This is the most costly time. Like, this is on him. Yeah. Yeah. Suspensions in finals, Jared. They they, they stop trains. They, they really do. I've, I've lived it with the Glen Archer... And Wayne Swass back in 1997, you lose star factor players, and the domino effect's huge. You're talking, we're talking about Willie Rioli dropping out of the West Coast team, and what that does to that next player that comes in, or that group of half forwards slash forward. But they're not as good as Willie. Geelong don't have another main target to just put in there, Jared. It, it's, you know. Radigal Lee was fantastic last night, playing the role that he's asked to play. You just fly for everything, and and, and Hawkins he'll he'll orchestrate what the forward line should look like. He'll he'll guide the, the the younger players around, and then when you need a big presence, he'll deliver. I mean, he, he was as good as he's been in a, in a final since 2014 against North Melbourne. He's gone zero two one 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 two goals the last um, three years, right back to 2014 against when he kicked five against the Kangaroos. Most of those in the last quarter. So to do what he did last night as a contested marking beast, they cannot replace. You just cannot find that. Why does he do that? What, 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 that? Because the action that he did to get Schofield, there was, there was, he was never going to. There's no benefit for that. He wasn't retaliating. He was almost just trying to make position on Schofield. It's a swinging arm to the head. Now it's not. It's not. It's not the worst thing we've seen, and the, the, the contact wasn't anything significant. But then straight away he goes and says sorry. Well, Tom, it's too late to Is say it, sorry. Why do you continue to do? stupid things like that that have no benefit for your team, all they do is cost you. Is it, is it a common action that's just gone wrong is the question I ask. Because often we see, you know, the body checking, the, the, the swinging arm. The swinging arms are not uncommon in a, a full-back versus full-forward clash. But this is uh, clearly this has gone horribly wrong and he's, he's hit him on the chin. And the post-match discussion didn't look like it went great for Tom either, to be no, honest. No, no. That looked really uh, one-sided, to say the least. Mm. So so is it a common action? Is there a defendable angle there? 
I don't know what a swinging arm, because he was sort of behind, and we're getting a bit technical for radio, he was sort of behind Schofield, a swinging arm. How was that going to get him in front? Was that going to give him a better position? Probably not for me. I, I don't think that is a common action that I would see with a forward trying to jostle for position, making the ball up, up the field. So, no, I think it was a, a pretty ordinary act. There hasn't been a suspension since round 18 across the league. It's oh. vintage Tom Hawkins that he's going to When will it come out, drought. Jared? Uh, early soon. today. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably just after midday. Should, by the how should Geelong fans feel about this? Um, disappointed. Oh, disappointed in Tom. Yeah. Oh, that, that's what it lives in his actions and he's going to ultimately cop, be culpable for it. So if you're Paddy Dangerfield, who's, what is he, zero on four in a prelim final? and they lose this week without Tom Hawkins, how Patrick Dangerfield would feel about a leader of that club is worth thinking about. And I guess we'll pose that question to Geelong fans as well. But I reckon Paddy Dangerfield, as he wakes up this morning, be pretty angry at Tom Hawkins. Crunch time for Honda and for Subway after Geelong. 20-point victors over the Eagles to book their way. For the club, it's nine out of 13 preliminary finals. For Chris Scott, it's five out of nine. It's an incredible record of getting to the final four. Zach Tui is going to be part of it again. Zach, welcome to Crunch Time. G'day, guys. Thanks for having me. Were you able to harness a, an us-against-the-world dynamic in the lead-up to this game, Zach? Um, oh, it, didn't, it didn't really feel that way. We were obviously disappointed with how we played um, last week. Although I don't think we're quite as, as terrible as some people... Um, maybe employ, but um, now nah, look, we our belief hasn't wavered over the course of well, the whole season, even the back half of the season where we um, were inconsistent, and and even after the Collingwood game, we we kind of believed uh, in what we were doing, and we just knew we we seemed to have an off day against Collingwood, so uh, it was pleasing. But now we didn't we didn't really change a whole lot philosophically. You know? What were there pointed moments during the week? Where, where did you set yourselves right, and then what was Chris like just before that? before the game where he's as animated as we've ever seen him? Yeah, there was, um, there was fire in the belly um, this week, I'll be honest. And and I, I will admit that um, in the warm-up to the game last night, it, it was hard to know exactly what it was, but I, I, I something did feel different. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what it was, but I'm not sure I've been part of such a kind of an energetic warm-up, um, such a passionate kind of leading to a game, so I must admit I was particularly confident last night. Um, and Scotty, Scotty's incredibly consistent. You know, he he um, he's been in the caper long enough to to not let the emotions affect him um, in any way, really. But we were, yeah, we were chomping at the bit last night. To be perfectly honest, did you like that feeling? Yeah, I did. Um, I did. But look, that feeling would probably have come no matter what. It's knockout stage. Um, if you can't, if you can't get up, and if you can't be enthusiastic, you know when you know for a fact that there may be no next week, um, you're probably in the wrong industry. But yeah, I enjoyed it. Zach, are you disappointed with your teammate Tom Hawkins? Uh, I actually haven't seen it back, um, but I'm not sure how bad it looked. To be perfectly honest, um, but no, um, I'm not disappointed, and I can almost guarantee you that. How would you go about it if he's not going to be there? And we're speculating, probably looks like a one-week um, hit on him. Grand finals are hard to win, and you potentially go through to a prelim without one of your key players. How would I handle it, personally? Yeah, as a, as a side, I mean, how do you go about it and the distraction of it uh, because of how good he was last night and, and how you go about beating Richmond without one of your best players? Yeah, 
yeah, it'd be disappointing not to have him if that's the case. I personally wouldn't do a thing. Um, uh, look, it's this is this is the game. I mean, if he's not there, we'll just we'll just play without him. Um, he's a huge player and he was fantastic again last night and would be a really significant loss for us. But we're not going to dwell on it. We won't be. We're not a type of club that punishes players or segregates them in any way. So whatever happens will happen, and we'll just um, go out Friday night and, and make the Tigers earn it. Zach, congratulations on last night. It was a, a fantastic performance in the theatre of the night. The build-up was just was all-consuming. I, I want to ask you about the last quarter and just the stars of Geelong just standing up, Dangerfield, Selwood, just saying, this is our time. The club needs us now to stand up. What's that like being a teammate and witnessing that firsthand? A little, yeah, there was a few times last night, and you said Danger there. Probably didn't have his one of his usual really highly prolific nights, but... He took a couple of marks on top of kind of our forward 50, centre half forward, and watching him got one, he was kind of going back with a flight, one with a pack. And just before he launched, I've honestly never been more confident the player was going to take a mark in all my life. You can just see it in him. And that's why you admire those guys. Like the, the days where they have 35 and kick four are great and they're fun to watch. But like Joel stood under, I don't know how many high balls last night, and Paddy in a quiet night for him, just found a way to impose himself in that last quarter. And really, that's why I admire them. Um, that's that's why I like playing with them. And yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty special. He's uh, Those guys are remarkable. We're going to talk a lot about the stars. We always do. We're fascinated by how they influence games at the moment. But there are a couple of other performers that don't get a lot of credit. Guthrie's game last night was significant. And even Henry, just down back alongside yourself, he was he was fantastic. Yeah, he's had a couple of huge games this year, Jack Henry, for us. Um, one of those that maybe not flary, but he's, he's had periods of games this year where he has almost single-handedly locked it in our forward 50. Um, he's, he's deceptively quick. He's really good in the contest and, and brilliant overhead. So he's clearly a long-term prospect for us and, and can go through. I mean, his best is really quite special. Like, he is doesn't get enough credit for how tough he is in, in the contest. He plays on some of the biggest you know, most brutish midfielders in the game and holds his own. Um, and he's, he's pretty bloody hard to tackle. So when he's when he's up and going and confident and, and taking the game on, he's a, he's a remarkable talent. Geelong can play a brutal game of football. I mean, we look at flat contested possession numbers and the way you want to play it and just how how good you are at ground level with those those that midfield core that you've got. And it's not just one or two. It's, it's six to eight players. How early in the game do you know this is going the way that you want Geelong to play? What what sort of things do you see to say, yep, this is how we want the game to unfold? Yeah, a bit cliched. You know, there's always the the, um, the man in the stand or when you're watching on broadcast. If at any given stage on the broadcast vision there's more Geelong players on screen than opposition, you can be sure you're you're playing pretty well. But... Look, ideally, we'd love to start well every week and, and in the first 10 minutes have that feel of, yeah, we're hit, we're on today. This is it. Like The nature of the game doesn't allow you to do that. It doesn't allow any team to do that. So it might take us, some games it might take us a quarter and a half to really hit our stride, and, and that's a pity if it does, but we can win those games. But last night, it just felt ferocious from the get-go. Um, like I said, there was a really good feeling just before the game. But, yes, yeah, it's... it's uh, you know, we just want our midfielders hunting the ball, hunting the opposition. We don't need them rolling back to help defend, and we don't need them sitting back trying to clog up space. 
we just want him going after it because you're right, we've got six or seven guys there who, in a one-on-one contest, when the ball's in dispute, you just back him in. It looked as though you were determined to move the ball on a little bit quicker last night and try and isolate McGovern and the Eagles drop off defenders. <laughs> was that a focus or just the way the game plan panned out? Um, I, I guess a little bit. Not really. We just kind of took what was on offer, but we did. Um, we just set up a little bit better um, when the ball left our area. There wasn't. We didn't kind of hang around and look for, you know, look for shorts if you like. It just kind of because our intent was so high to get away from the contest, those shorts actually opened up more. Um, so yeah, like it did feel like we had, we were able to move it a lot better than we could the week before, but that kind of, that was as a result of kind of our work away from stoppages as opposed to, you know, really having it front of mind. But um, yeah, we, we moved it a hell of a lot better than we did the week before, that's for sure. And what does the weekend and the week look like for you and your teammates? Um. <laughs> Well, for me, I'm uh, standing in my kitchen watching my son piss on my pants. So this is, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm just, no, I'm not joking. That's what he's doing right now. He's half naked in the garden. I'm not sure what he's at. I'll, uh, I'll recover today. Um, we'll all recover today. Take it, take it easy. And then it's just back into the, back into the usual weekly build up um, for a huge game Friday night. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the best answer of the year, Zach. Well done. Yeah. Hey, so you saw a preliminary final in 2017. It was in Adelaide. What's your um, what's your level of excitement to return to the penultimate weekend? Yeah, it's special. Like, like I've been I've been around for a while now. This is my tenth season of, of footy, and I haven't played a huge amount of finals. And ever since I've come here, I mean, this is. This is why I came to Geelong. I wanted to spend the back half of my career uh, at a club that I felt we could really challenge for, you know, for the for the rest of my time in, in the game. And um, the Adelaide final a few years ago was was devastating, to be perfectly honest. Um, but that 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 risk the reward is why we play. And I'd much rather put myself in a position to to be a big loser and maybe risk being a big winner. So this. Uh, yeah, this is it. This is why we play. I just think before we go, Zach, maybe if you got a parental tip or two for <laughs> us just on the way out, because this could become a phenomenon, this. <laughs> well, like, I don't mind. He's doing it on... Um... He's doing it on all dead plants, but if he starts doing it on the good ones down the back there, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna punt him. Much less the football. You need a lemon tree, Zach. You need a lemon tree. Yeah. Hey, good on you. Good luck uh, for next Friday night. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Zach Tui with us on Crunch Time. (laughs) Very good. It was the biggest off-field week of the year. Thursday was the most remarkable day in many a year. Uh, The list of things that took place. Kane, you're at the coalface of a lot of this in Adelaide. So the reckoning was coming in Adelaide and the reckoning has begun. The captain has handed back his role and now the coach has recognised he did his own review. And once he realised fully what was going on. He knew that he wasn't part of the solution and kudos to him for acting on it. I've been following your comments closely on 360, Jared, and in particular on Thursday night where you, where you did say that once he got a sense of just exactly how the players were feeling, it was probably probably time to walk away. So um, not it was, a, it was a surprise, but not a surprise if that makes sense. But then 
they've got to turn their attention to what is next and, and which coach they go. I was interested to see Mark Rusciuto and CEO Andrew Fagan will be on the panel to select the new coach, which is interesting in itself. Some saying, you know, those two may be part of the problem as well, but they are going to decide the future of the club. So it's late in the piece. Uh, how do they attract players when they've got no coach? The morale of the group feels like it's going to be a couple of years at least to get that club back on track, which is a shame from from where they were a couple of years ago, Kingy. It feels to me like the door shouldn't close behind Don Pike. He should be holding it, waiting, yeah. waiting for another couple of people to walk through with him. Mm. And if those people are actively going to choose the next coach, they're in a mad scenario. I can't remember a club getting itself so tied up in knots where they're waiting on other people to tell them what they absolutely should know themselves. They're continuing with some level of business as usual when jobs are on the line. And now they're going to put together... The, the people to choose the coach who may very well be identified as the central issue. It's a, it's a fascinating club because financially and all of that, they are so strong. They're one of the strongest. There's supporter base, all of that. They make a profit, profit every year. They just got to turn up and the crowd turns up. So that side of the business, sponsors crawling over themselves to try and sponsor and put their hand up at Adelaide. So in one way, they're in a great position. But the most important thing, which they've neglected, I think, uh, they've been so focused on the commercial side of the business, the football side has been neglected. I, they've lost some great assistant coaches and, you know, they've replaced them with names such as, and this is no disrespect to the names, but out of the, the SANFL, Marty Matner and Mickey Godden and, and these types of players, Ben Hart was out of the system for a while. So what help did Don Pike have around him? That's what I'd love to know. Not much um, by the by the, by the the look of it. And an inexperienced footy boss in Brett Burton as well, who was a couple of years ago in charge of their fitness program. It's it's fascinating that the way they've gone about it. And um, it's it's hard to think that they're, they're not, as you say, in a mess, Jared. So they suffered desperately by comparison to West Coast. Who, who they are like for like in the way that they run their town and their results since coming into the league, uh, they don't stack up on on the opportunities that are afforded you and they have a critical mass of players who have no interest in continuing their careers there at the moment without substantial change. That's real, isn't it? That's because they continue real. to deny it, even to the fact where I put his uh, claim to Andrew Fagan, who joined us on SENSA yesterday, and he completely denied it. But... The thing so with that, these like, players aren't going to tell, no, of aren't course. going to say so publicly. Yeah. If you talk to them privately, they'll tell you privately. Would which they be, means I, uh, I what, presume, what, what specific? Are they telling Jason Dunstall? Are well, they telling that, Matthew Pavlich? And that that has to be the answer. They clearly told Don Pike. What specifically? Are that those that they won't continue. They will seek to leave the club unless substantial change well, is made. And coach is substantial change. Isn't that's it? right. Yeah. But it doesn't end. With the end, coach. No. I, I agree there'll be a couple more walk with Don. Um, I just think you're just going to have to put this down to the greatest off-field September to February cock-up in the history of the AFL. Yep. This, this camp has ruined a football club. Once you lose trust, that 100% you've got my back, I've got yours mentality at a football club, coach to player, footy manager to player, player to player, you're in massive trouble. And I don't know where when the bleeding stops, to be honest. But you, you can't make all these list decisions and all these trades without a coach coming in and saying, hey, oh, hang on, I want to keep him. Mm. I've got a role for him. Mm. It's different to what he's doing mm. now. I've got spots for him. I've got spots for him. They, they can't afford to lose 
right now, Jared, they can't afford to lose 10 players. And I know you said, I think last night, that they could trade up to 14 players. 10, 12, 14 players are in this number. category. It's a big number. It is. And so you face that choice as well. And they have had disaffected players on the field and you can manifestly watch the way that that has looked for two seasons now. For two seasons, this is what it looks like. And it's now reached... Um, it's at a tipping point. They played a game that the AFL program went past. That counter-attack game is the hardest way to score in football. And and they stuck with that for 12 months too long. And in the end, this is why they've arrived at this point right now from a coaching point of view. Do you think that this list is salvageable or do you think that eight to ten players have to leave? Uh, no, I think the club has to make the change. To hear Rob Chapman finally say finally. in the aftermath, the camp still dogs us as a football club. You go, come on, Rob, is this it? We're 18 months down the track and no responsibility has been taken to the satisfaction of the people that were disenfranchised by it. It's got nothing to do with us on the outside. It's everything to do with the people who are subjected to what happened and the footy club's inability to go, hey, that was us. We did the wrong thing. So can I ask you a secondary question on top of that? Is the, the new coach walking in to have a fresh chance? Do they need to trade eight to ten players? I think they need the administration largely to have changed to give the club a fresh look. I mm. think a new coach um, would be able to galvanise the group under a fresh start, but not without change to positions like the football director, the GM of footy, I don't know whether it reaches the chief executive or not, um, but it has happened on their watch. But that, they'd have to be asking themselves, to use Don's words, am I part of the solution? Yeah, yeah. And they can't realistically answer if yes. If those people are choosing the new coach, well, how does that play with th this group of people? Is that They are screaming out to be brought together. Uh, and the only way to be brought together is for people to follow the lead of what Don Pike did. And if you have to wait for an independent review to come back and tell you what you already know, they already know what their problems are and they have been in denial about them for 18 months, Is it's time for that football club to actually live the stature that they, they claim to embody and make the decisions. What about um, Don's message on the way out more broadly? And he's a highly intelligent mm. man who's... Um, this was what he said about the broader footy landscape. I would like to make one quick comment around AFL footy. The landscape we now operate in as an industry is more challenging than ever for players, administrators, boards, coaches, uh, and this is leading to a wide range of issues around contentment. I hope that in the future we can find a better balance in how we view the game, regardless of result. Otherwise, I do fear for the people's genuine love of the game. Yeah, I don't want to be critical of a, a, a guy on the way out, but that, that works both ways. So if Don wants that and he wants um, the media to be held accountable, then his footy club that he was in charge of and their media department need to be accountable for that as well. And it starts from very little things. From, from, for an example, when you say a player is going to miss one week and he misses 10 and you don't give any updates, when you are questioned about a camp for 18 months and you don't concede that it's an issue, when Josh Franco walks out the door and leaves one year into a three-year contract after he'd come home to South Australia to go and join Gold Coast, and you don't tell us why, if you don't tell us why David Teague left and wasn't offered a contract, 
you can't have it both ways is what I would say to Don Pike. And he was upset and um, and and rightly so about the reports that he got into a, a fist fight with Josh Jenkins, which was categorically not true. So that was the tipping point, I think, for, for Don. And that was maybe the reason for those comments. But you can't have it both ways. If you want accountability from the media, you've got to be an authentic, accountable footy club and you've got to give some honesty to your fans. That's the way I see it. And that's what they have not done under Andrew Fagan, under Brett Burden, under Ian Shuttleworth, their media manager, and under Don Pike himself. Yeah, I think you've made a great case there. I do think that there's a large percentage of what he says is correct. We are critical first. Um, There's Mm. no doubt about that. And I think the only way to get past that is access, is access to the player, access to to the person, not just the footballer. Where, what, tell us their story. Where have they been? Where have they come from? Yeah, let us in a little bit. The access to me is is critical in all of this. And we try to do things with players and we try to do things with coaches every week of the football season. You'd be staggered at how many requests yeah. we put at Fox Footy to coaches and to players that just get knocked back. So then you're left to talk about the game. Now, if this team is an underperforming team, you're talking about how bad they're going and why. Because there's no access, there's no there's no stories, there's no hooks. Yeah, and the best example of that is the documentary on ABC, Inside Collingwood. That is awesome. the best example. Straight away, what, what do we do? The people that cover the game, I wrote an article about it, how good it was. Other clubs should be doing the same. Nathan Buckley comes on your show, Jared. Razor Ray comes on your program. Maybe the most criticised umpire previous to doing that, he has opened himself up to the point where everyone loves Razor now and we get an insight into... What is going through the umpire's mind? And that brings us closer to the fans, to the umpires, to the media. And we're not as critical as Ray anymore because that, that is an excellent point you make. And that's what Adelaide haven't done and that's what they need to do. Yeah, so I think we should all take up Don's challenge at every level. And it includes the fans as well as to how we react to everything. I think at every level, from football, from AFL to club to media to fan, I think there's let's have the conversation and let's see. But but it is a big beast now, though, Jerry. It's a huge beast. You know, you're trying to put the, you know, to steal one of Hutchie's terms, you're trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube now. I mean, it, it's become such a competitive space off-field to, to, to nail a story or to have a talking point that it is a difficult balance to find. Mm. The 40 Wing Series about sleep tips, bed match takes the confusion out of buying a bed only at 40 Winks. The Lions or the Giants tonight? Yeah, I think quite often we write off the loser of the qualifying final, and that was probably the case for last night. So it's a warning to me. So I think the Lions will bounce back at home and win. Jared, I've been listening to Craig Jennings with you on a Wednesday, mm. and he's come up with the Pareto principle, the top four or five players uh, being responsible for 80% of the result. The fast start, the three-goal margin in the first quarter, 75% win-loss rate, and all those sorts. Of, I've been listening, Jared. Mm. The Ferrari's talking. He's, he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's not sure where he's got them going horizontal, he's got or rock, vertical. Rocks and papers he got going? against the Ferrari. <laughs> awesome. So if you haven't heard Jenna with you on a Wednesday, you got to listen. And there will be blood again tonight, Jared. Which this will one? Be a brutal game. Who wins? Toby Green to kick the match winner late. Oh, truncated edition of Crunch Time. Thanks, yeah. David King. Kane Corns. The- G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.